0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au.
1: If you don't know me, my name's Jason. I'm going to be continuing on with our Going Deeper campaign, Uh, um, and I'm speaking about Acts. and It's a really interesting passage, so let's pray and get into it. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want us to know you and that you reveal yourself to us in all kinds of interesting stories and ways. And we just thank you, Father. And I pray for myself that you would help me to speak your truth this morning, that you would help me to cut through and, and, and really deliver um, a bit about your character this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. So we're... Going to study the interesting story of Ananias and Sapphira this morning. It's probably familiar to you. Um, And I'm going to read in a second from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. But just to fool you all, no, not really, just to set a bit more context, I'm going to start a little bit before Acts chapter 5, and I'm going to start at Acts chapter 4, verse 32, because I think this is really illustrative of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So, Acts chapter 5, but I'm actually starting at Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And it says this: All the believers were in one were one in heart and mind. No one had claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. All right, so now, and I apologize for the small text, We're going to read from chapter 5, and it says this, "'Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, "'also sold a piece of property. "'With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money "'for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. "'Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled "'your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit "'and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? "'Didn't it belong to you before it was sold?' And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of such a thing, think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, So if you're like me, you'll have a number of questions about that, (laughs) maybe, one or two, and we will get to those, what I anticipate um, are your questions because I have them as well. But before we do that, I just wanted to make a few comments about the text as as it occurred to me when I read it uh, in preparation. The first is it's pretty clear that the early church was full of zeal and enthusiasm, am I right? These totally sold out to Jesus. It's really inspiring to hear about, invigorated and energised by the tangible presence of the Spirit. And people were very meaningfully trusting their futures to God. Selling off your possessions is a very faith-filled thing to do, and it's basically saying, Lord, I trust you for everything I need, everything. I don't need to worry about my retirement. I don't need to worry about my super. I can go without everything because I have you. And, and that kind of attitude was clearly winning praise and admiration for some believers, even though it wasn't their intent, which is why I thought it was really important to read that bit about, about Barnabas in Acts chapter 4. Barnabas has sold his field, he's laid down the money, and everyone, I think, has gone, whoa, that, that is awesome, that is cool. And it seems to me that Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted that. They wanted that attention. They wanted that praise for themselves. But they also wanted the money. They They wanted to have their cake and eat it too. Now, the text doesn't actually say that Ananias made some bold proclamation. Here's what I've done. Here's how much money I've made from my field and I lay it all down. It doesn't actually say that. Um, Nor does it describe anything about the process by which Peter understood what had happened, how he knew, you know, the spirit told him or Peter knew their thoughts or anything like that. It's... It leaves it up to us to kind of figure out. And you could imagine, right, that Ananias did just flat out lie about how much he made for his property and how much he was putting down in front of the apostles. But I think it actually adds to the story, if he didn't, that because don't we often leave people to draw their own conclusions and if it favours us, well, so much the better? You know, because then we didn't lie. And I'm sure Ananias was thinking this. And and this is part of what I think Peter was so critical of. What is Satan? What what, what made you think this? I I just have this feeling that Ananias thought, I don't have to say anything. I can just let people draw their own conclusions and, oh, you know, it favors me. Oh, how, how happy. What a happy coincidence. Anyway, you may have other views and that's fine. The text doesn't say. Look, this isn't about the money, right? Are we all agreed on that? This is nothing to do with money. I know money and the church have a tricky relationship and it's not long before there'll be another headline about some church that wants your money and about how you get guilted into giving away your money. This is not about money. God doesn't need your money. Can I please just state that for the record? Okay, your money, you can do what you want with it. Peter clearly says that. He says to Ananias, it was your money. You can do what you want with it. And it's the same for us today. Satan gets a mention in the story. It doesn't often happen, uh, but he gets a mention. And I suspect that, you know, he was whispering into Ananias and Sapphira's ears about how they, would they really trust God with their future? Maybe not. Maybe you need to hold back something. And I, I get the feeling that Peter suspected that what would happen to Ananias, he, he, he suspected what would happen, although that, there isn't any suggestion of that in the text either. But he does seem quite certain of Sapphira's fate when he's talking to her. And he does give her an out. He's, he's really trying here for Sapphira's sake. She sticks to her story. All right, so first question. Did God do this? Finger of God, zap. Um, maybe you notice the text doesn't spell that out. Ananias dies, Sapphira dies. Maybe one of those kind of James Cameron inspired TV documentaries would talk about how well they were old. They were a bit infirm. They had heart conditions. I think that's a long shot. I can't really believe it. I think this is supernatural. I think the text is set up to suggest that, that it's supernatural. So therefore, I think the answer to my question is, yes, I think God did this. Now, perhaps you think that is a hard thing to hear. It is a bit hard to hear, God striking people dead. I, I, I remember that reaction, hearing that story from the Old Testament about how the guy reaches out his hand to stop the ark from moving off the, off the cart and boom, dead. And you think, wow, he's just trying to help. So God has history here. He's got, he's got a track record. Um. I think it does jar us a bit. You know, in our comfort-oriented society, we, we attempted to reimagine God as somebody who exists to make things work better for us and to make us feel happier. That's not really how he describes himself in the text, though. So let's just take note of that. If it was God, why aren't more people dying in church all over the place? <laughs> yes, this one did occur to me. I reckon you might have figured out that you don't drop debt if you keep some of your money back for yourself. You don't drop dead if you lie about how much you're giving or let others believe one thing while you do another. You don't even drop dead if you lie outright, egregiously and with malice aforethought. Doesn't really happen. So there's something very special happening here about this period in church history. So why did it happen at all? Why did this happen? All right, so... I think that given this passage recounts the very origins of the church of Jesus on the earth, there are some specific things that happen to set the tone and to break off some things from the past. Uh, When I was thinking about the context of the passage and especially the comments about fear, right, more on that later, a passage was brought to mind from Jesus. And this is from Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. It says this, I tell you, friends, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. This is Jesus talking. I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So that, (laughs) another bit of a slightly jarring passage. But while I was reading that, I happened to scan backwards a few verses. Let me read that to you now. So this is Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 1 instead of starting at verse 4. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered even to your wife. In the ear and in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I thought that was amazing. I thought, okay, God, yeah, I get it. I, I'm getting the message. As we all know, Jesus reserved his most stern criticism for the scribes, Pharisees and religious leaders, and especially concerning their tendency to give value to the external with no regard to the internal. Matthew ch- uh, chapter 23, Jesus declares seven woes on the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. I'm not going to read them all. Just a few from verse 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the outside of the cup and dish. Sorry, the inside, not the outside. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside you appear to the people as righteous but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So I hope I don't have to tell you that that these few verses mirror dozens of Old Testament examples of God's anger at the Israelites outwardly Religious behaviour, like Hosea 6.6, 6, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. This is a deep theme of the entire Bible. And by making an example of Ananias and Sapphira, God is emphasising the importance of this for the new church. Gosh, the time goes so fast. Is that clock accurate? Okay, sorry. All right, what about, what about the fear parts? You might be thinking, what about the fear? I, I do think it's slightly ironic. If you were here last week in the 10 o'clock service, Bron, Pastor Bron made a point of this. And I think, I think this is great. She's stitching me up here. She gets to preach about how there's 365 verses in the Bible that say, do not fear. And then I get up and I have to talk about how great fear sees the church and God specifically did it. So uh, I get it. I get it. But, but we do know, don't we? that the Bible talks about appropriate fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9 verse 10. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2 verse 12. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews chapter 12, 28 and 29. So I hope, I really hope you're not fretting about this revelation of God's character It it might appear to you as a contradiction, of course he loves us and he demonstrates that love through Jesus' death on the cross. Of course he is merciful and gracious, not willing that any should perish, but he is the ultimate power in the universe, not just the galaxy, right? The universe and beyond, to whom every knee will bow. Anyone that's ever been as a child thrown into the air or crunched, crushed in a friendly rumble with their father knows This mix of power and love. Quoting C.S. Lewis from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Aslan is a lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So the proof of the pudding. You might think that following a headline that read something like, parishioners die after dodgy tithe, that the numbers might have leveled out. People might have felt a bit nervous and kind of ghosted the church from then on. Gone into gentle decline as they admitted they were a bit freaked out. The exact opposite happened. Okay, so Acts chapter 5. The apostles performed many signs and wonders. this is immediately after the passage about Ananias and Sapphira, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. On some of them as he passed by, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. This was the message the church needed at the time. Nipping in the bud any threat they might slide back into their old ways of of, of, of the outward working out of religion. So finally, consider your own hearts. There's no threat of dropping dead here, okay? But don't think you can fool God like you can, people. Let's be honest and open with God and with each other.
0: Well, thanks, Jace, for the word. Um, well, I'm currently doing going forward and we're coming to you not live from the church studio. So we've pre-recorded during the week and uh, we thought we'd share this video this morning because I am on holidays for a few days. So I did think about asking my accountant to write off my holiday expenses because I'm kind of preaching whilst on holidays, but it would be pretty dishonest and it would be antithetical to what we're talking about this morning with Ananias and Sapphira misappropriating funds. Um, Now speaking of misappropriating funds, I want to tell you a, a funny story, and don't worry, it's not severe. It's, I don't have a track record of this. It's uh, kind of cute and innocent. When I was six years old, I, if you remember, if you went to school in the 1990s, there were these little yellow booklets called Dolomites, and it was for depositing money, pocket money, into Commonwealth Bank accounts, and it was the idea to teach children how to save and um, invest their money. And so one day I was fully loaded up and had a busy weekend doing pocket uh, doing jobs to generate pocket money, and uh, I thought I would go across the road from my school, and whilst waiting for my mother to pick me up, and buy a killer python for forty cents they were back in 1994. And why, what I did was I crossed out the uh, the entry into the deposit slip, and it was all really well done. The mass was perfect, and I thought I was able to get away with it. And I sp- told my mum this week about that story, and she had no idea that I had done that she thought that there was something up at the time and from her memory because this was 30 years ago 29 years ago uh, something had happened that was bad like a bully had taken my money or whatever but I had to come clean to her this week I thought she already knew but anyway I could have got away with it now I've been able to stay uh, I've been able to have good night's sleeps since then and it hasn't burned on my conscience. but it was wrong And mum knew my heart. Mum didn't actually pursue that issue because she knew that I was inherently a good little boy. So she knew my heart. The issue with Ananias and Sapphira was that the husband and wife conspired together against God and they didn't think God would see their sin um, or their heart. But God sees sin and he sees our heart. He sees our attitudes. He sees it before we even commit that sin and say, that's what they forgot or didn't really know. 2 Corinthians 8, 8 to 10, we're going to look at right now. And it says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. For Ananias and Sapphira, it wasn't about the money being given, it was about the heart desire that needed to be behind it. So, God can often equip a Christian or a leader with a prophecy or a word of knowledge that can um, stir up someone that can point out sin that can challenge an attitude and that's what peter does in this sermon now we're not going to come at you and say why haven't you tithed or i we think that you don't tithe 10 percent. we're not going to do that god is god doesn't operate like that he can he has in this instance but that was to provide a model for us To show that our heart is to be behind what we give. God sees and knows everything, so we're best to confess our sin and just move on. Galatians 6 verses 7 to 10 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That was the whole point of what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. That was the whole point of what the community believers were doing. They were selling their possessions to share amongst those who needed it. They were selling out of surplus. They were selling out of blessing. They were selling out of a want and desire to see the kingdom of God expand. The first few chapters of Acts talk about daily salvations. Hundreds and thousands were happening. And that was spreading exponentially. It was absolutely exploded. And so people were so excited to be part of a movement. People were so excited to be uh be pointing other people towards God. They just wanted to be a part of it, and now we want to replicate that in our life, in our community, in 2022, in Tamworth, and wherever else uh, we we are called to be. Um, we're called to help each other towards God. That's the whole point. Money is just a vehicle for that. Time is just a vehicle for that. Your prayer life is a vehicle for that. I remember 10 years ago being uh, on, a, on a mission trip in the, in the hills of Uganda in Africa. And uh, it was a beautiful green place, but very simple agrarian life. And we had a five hour church service that we had to run. I'm not gonna stretch that out this morning to five hours, um, but that's just the way they do things. People would come from near and far, they would walk up to four hours To get to church so the pastor there would run church for five hours so that people would get their bang for buck part of the service was that they had like an open mic confession time kind of like a stand-up comedy gig at a pub but for confession of sin and so the sunday school um, had a a program where the kids would get up in front of the whole congregation in a line and they'll pass the microphone along and it was really cute and i remember this little boy Probably would have only been about four or five. And he with fear and trepidation stood in front of a congregation of about a hundred people and the microphone shaking in his hands. And he says, he confesses to the congregation that he stole one potato from a neighbor's garden. And I remember just being confused and inspired and, and in awe of the humility of this little boy. And, and I, there was a whole line of children, and I don't remember a lot of what the other children uh, confessed. They were just little misdemeanors, um, like buying a killer python from the servo with, uh, with stolen funds, maybe. Uh, but what I loved about that is that this little boy, through humility, confessed his sin, and the whole church clapped and they roared, and they just went. Behind, they got behind this boy and supported him and encouraged him. And he gave this wry little smile, and he went all bashful. And um, and the and the church had a, a practice of sharing a meal after the five-hour church service, so that people would be carb-loaded and ready to go back to uh, their respective villages four hours away by foot. That was community that was modelled to me. And that was encouragement from an adult congregation onto a little boy. And I hope that he's still walking with the Lord today. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance and character of another man. In becoming Christians and joining the movement, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be part of something bigger. But ironically, through their actions, they diminished the greatness of God. That was the whole point of what they were trying to achieve. There, they mocked God by trying to deceive Him and His people, um, and so a lot of Christians at that time had Jewish backgrounds or they were from Gentile backgrounds, and so they understood that there was a practice of giving money to the temple, be it ten percent of their income, be it a, a grain offering or a sin offering or a, or an animal offering. Um, I don't want to get into that too deep because we are going forward, but they wanted to play a part in uh, something so much bigger. Than them. And so the practice uh, from the Jews was to atone for sin. But the practice from Christians to give of those offerings was to expand the kingdom and to expand the gospel. Um, And so people just wanted to be a part of it because their lives have been changed and they wanted to promote that through their actions. Um, now, we're not saying that you need to sell your property and offload it and, uh, and give 100% of the proceeds to the church. Now, you can. You're more than welcome to do so. There's a QR code um, on the desk that you can scan and you can send um, the proceeds of that property to the chapel. We're more than happy to take it. But um, we're not saying that you have to. And so we're just, we just want to allow ways for our people to partake and exercise in, in the kingdom of God. We want to be able to sow things into the future um, generations. In our community, we want to be able to encourage people one another. That's why we have reflection. That's why we've just had reflection time um, around your tables, so that we can encourage one another and uh, and find out more about what's going on um, in your life. We want to be able to have people in lounge rooms, in connect groups, all through the week, to be able to refine our faith and to become better humans and more effective Christians in our community. And so today, for all of us that call the chapel home, for all of us that call Jesus our Lord. And Saviour, we have similar opportunities that the early church had to partake in a God movement. We want to be able to um, give of our tithes and our offerings, to be giving of our talents, to be given of our be giving of our time, to be giving of our energy, our thoughts, our considerations, our encouragement. We want to be able to give all that to people in the community of Christ, but also out in the community of Tamworth. And so we want to we're given all of this so that we can give away. We want to be able to we want to be able to quantify the love that we have for God and for people by giving away. Radical, ridiculous generosity is a catalyst for God being able to move powerfully. God asks us to give so that he can move. Now, if you're married, have a chat to your spouse about how you can both sow into the kingdom. That's where Ananias and Sapphira went wrong. They both decided to turn away from God. But have a chat with your spouse I love serving with my wife, Phoebe, and we've made it a point in our 11 years of marriage to um, to serve in church together. We both have separate abilities and, and whatnot, separate talents, but we love serving together. And so it makes us feel closer together. It makes us accountable to each other. It makes us um, give something that encourages each other. Um, it also keeps us participating in the life of our church, it allows us to model a healthy Christian lifestyle to our little children, um, and it, it also invites God into our marriage and family. Whether you're so, if you're married, if you're partnered up, and you're moving towards marriage, be daring enough to have that conversation about how you can work together. If you're single and you desire this for your life and for your future spouse. Be daring enough to pray that God would bring someone into the picture so that you can work together. We wanna be able to be effective Christians, in our community we want to be able to be a model for those people outside we want to be able to use everything we have because we do have a lot we live in australia we have income we have um, things we have time because we live in the country and we only have to drive five minutes anywhere we have a lot more than we realize that we can give into the community of god let's pray father god thank you so much for all that you give us We acknowledge that you give us a lot so that we can give away a lot, whether that be time, whether that be money, whether that be goods, whether that be resources, whether that be energy, attention, whatever it might be, talents, Lord. Thank you so much that. From you they have come, so back to you they shall go. We don't we don't take a an oath of, of poverty here, um, but we do acknowledge that you are Lord over all, and we want to be able to be effective. May these things, these commodities, not hold us back from what you want us to do for your kingdom. We pray for this in your mighty name. Amen.